song, and uh, what a truth as well, he does live. Good to have you here today on the 13th day of 2013. Uh, how many of you, when you were growing up, had a uh, place somewhere in your house, maybe it was in your bedroom, uh, maybe it was on the door jamb of your closet door, uh, and you would occasionally, maybe on your birthday, stand at that place, and your mom or your dad would take a ruler and, and measure, put a mark on how tall you were, and then you could turn around and look and see how much you had grown the previous year. Any of you ever have something like that here? Okay. There's some normal folks out there. All three of my kids uh, have done that. In fact, I went and looked, and sure enough, their marks are still on the, uh, on the door jams. Uh, it's funny, my, my oldest daughter, Whitney, she always wanted to be tall. And there's a, there, was a, there was a mark way up there, taller than me, my goal. <laughs> you know, she made that when she was a little bitty kid. But, you know, it's just expected that a little kid is going to grow up, right? I mean, it's just expected that's going to happen. Well, the same thing is true in our spiritual lives. When a person is born again spiritually, the Bible explains that we ought to grow up that we should mature in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to read in a moment, beginning in verse 14, and then read down through chapter 3, verse 4. As you're turning there, I want to remind you that the church in Corinth had some major league problems. And we're going to see today that at the root of all of those problems is their lack of spiritual growth. I mean, stop to think about how many of life's problems could be solved or totally avoided if we were living from a level of spiritual maturity where we acted and reacted just like Jesus Christ. Man, a lot of life's problems would be done away with if we were simply mature believers responding exactly like Jesus would. Well, let's look at this passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let me start in verse 14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things... Yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Chapter 3. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able... For you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the reading of your word. Uh, help us to understand it this morning and help us to simply grow up in 2013 and become the mature spiritual adults you have called us to. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, what I want you to do today is see the big picture of what the Apostle Paul is explaining here. And that all starts with the fact that there are two distinct groups of human beings on planet Earth. You could categorize all people and they would fit into one of two categories. The first category we'll just call natural people. 
Look at verse number 14 of chapter 2. But the natural man, Paul says, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Now in this verse, the Apostle Paul is referring to the natural man. He is referring to essentially the person who has never received the Lord Jesus Christ. But it tells us more than this. The word literally means soul man. Okay, That is, this is a person whose life is driven by their own mind, their own will, their own emotions. This is basically the natural equipment that we have when we come into this world through the natural process of human birth. Now, the Spirit is the mechanism that enables a person to communicate with God. And in the natural man that Paul is referring to in verse 14, that spirit is dead. Therefore, this natural person does not have any way of communicating with God. They are dead to God. That's why it says in verse 14 that the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him. And to see this fleshed out, just turn on your TV or read the newspaper. That's the way the world feels about us as Christians. The world thinks that we're foolish. The world looks at the things of God and says, that's nothing but foolishness. Why is that? Well, they don't have the Spirit of God inside of them. Therefore, everything that is spiritual is foolishness to him. Verse 14 goes on to say, Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. A person of the world, a person who is lost, doesn't have the foggiest idea of what we're doing here today. They don't understand we want to sing praises to God because of that redemption that he's given to us. They don't understand that. The person without Christ is without the Spirit. And therefore, they cannot receive the signals from God about how to live. So all they do is pick up the signals that this world gives out of their own mind and their own soul. They're lost and doomed and headed down the wrong road. That's the first category of human beings. Natural people. But there's a second category. We'll call these folks spiritual people. Verses 15 and 16. But he who is spiritual judges all things. Yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Now this person is a person who is a born again believer in Jesus Christ. They have trusted Christ as their Savior and they have been saved. When a person is saved, the Spirit of Jesus comes to live in the person, giving life to something that was before dead under Christ. That is the Spirit. And now with our Spirit alive, we have the ability to connect with God through His Holy Spirit. Now we as Christians may not always be open to the Spirit or obeying the Spirit, or filled with the Spirit, or led by the Spirit, but we are nonetheless spiritual people because we have been saved. 
And as a spiritual person, a man or a woman, a Christian now has the capacity to receive the things of God. We have the capacity to understand biblical truth and to grow in the wisdom of God. When it says in verse 16 that we believers have the mind of Christ, it means that we now possess the Spirit who enables us to understand the mind of our Lord in all things. We have the capacity to understand God and to grow in the things of God. So you can see that there is a huge difference between a natural person and a spiritual person. And it begs me to ask the question, which one are you? Because you have to fit in one of those two categories. There's not a third category. You're either saved or you're not saved. You're either born again or you're lost. And if you haven't been born again, then you are trying to operate your life without power and without direction. But if you have received Jesus Christ, then you have His Spirit living inside of you. And He gives the power that you need to not only live life, but to be an overcomer. In that sense, He becomes more than enough for you. He gives you power to live. He also gives us direction on how to live. So there we have the two main categories of people. We have lost people, saved people, natural people, spiritual people. But there are also two types of spiritual people, all right? So we're, we're narrowing in here. We're going to focus now on the spiritual person. There are two types of spiritual people. There are, first of all, spiritual adults. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people. Paul says, you're spiritual in the fact that you are saved. But I couldn't really speak to you as a mature Christian. So, one type of believer or spiritual person is a maturing believer. This person has been saved and they have the capacity to discern truth and they are growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are growing in the understanding of God's Word. They are taking the Word of God and putting it into action in their lives. Unfortunately, Paul said, I could not address you like I should be able to address a maturing Christian. Why is that? Because they were the second type of spiritual person. The second type of spiritual people are spiritual babies. Right? You have spiritual adults and you have spiritual babies. That's the second kind of Christian or spiritual or person. They're saved, but they haven't grown in their relationship with God. They have been saved, but they don't show it very much. Look at verse 1 again. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. The word carnal means flesh. In fact, one translation uses the word worldly there. I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but I had to speak to you as worldly people, as to babes in Christ. One other translation, probably the best translation, says men of flesh. I could not speak to you as spiritual people. I had to speak to you as men of flesh, as babies in Christ. Now that phrase carnal or men of flesh 
refers to people whose behavior still resembles the behavior of the world, is still dominated by the desires of the sinful human flesh. Now let me back up and take a breath here and let you take a breath because you're looking so intently at me. And let me just say this. This is where every new Christian starts. Every person who is saved is a baby in Christ. We all start off as babies in Christ, very immature spiritually. Sometimes we still think like the world because that's the way we've been trained. That's all we've ever known. And spiritual things are are hard for us to grasp at first because we haven't been trained yet. Does that make sense? Um, let, me just, let me just tell you this little story. I think it'll make more sense after you hear this story. I pastored in Pine Bluff for seven years. You know that. Pine Bluff was, was a, a, a different church, unusual church. They were very conservative, very old-fashioned. Uh, when I went there, they were like 45 years old, and uh, a woman had never gone inside the sanctuary in the history of that church wearing pants or jeans, even to clean. Women always wore dresses going into the sanctuary of the Oak Park Free Will Baptist Church, the way it's always been. Very conservative group of people. Um, the, they had a big family life center, a big gym. Uh, kids were not allowed to wear shorts in the gym. So if kids went and played basketball, they had to wear sweatpants, you know. Just very, very conservative. I leave Pine Bluff and I go to Plano, Texas. Brand new baby church. A friend of mine, Don Guthrie, had started the church. And uh, my first Sunday when I walked in there to preach, uh, ladies were coming in. And they, were, they weren't wearing pants or jeans. They were wearing shorts. Coming into church wearing shorts. And they had big gulps in their hand. <laughs> you know? And as, as I was preaching, they were sipping on their big gulp. You know? And, uh, it, it's kind of a culture shock. The, the, the second Sunday I was there, this big old burly guy came out the door, the back door. He had only been saved for a very short time. And he stuck out his hand to shake my hand, and, and he said this. He said, blank good sermon, preacher. Yeah, it was a bad word. That was a blank of a good sermon you preached. And I hadn't even preached on hell. Okay. Just in a spiritual way, I was telling you what word he used. My eyes got huge and my mouth just dropped, you know. I'd never, I'd never, I'd never had anybody tell me that before. That was a blink of a good sermon, preacher. But as soon as he said it, he said, ah! And he said another bad word. <laughs> He said, I've been trying to clean that up. It was good. And I, and I just, I kind of grinned and laughed and I said, well, you keep trying, brother. <laughs> you know, you just keep on working at it. But that's what he was. He was a brand new baby Christian. And he still had a little bit of the world. Well, he had a whole lot of the world in him, all right? That's the way it is when you're brand new. And here's the key to what I'm saying. Understand this. It is not a sin to be spiritually immature. It is a sin to remain spiritually 
immature. Now, let's look a little more closely at spiritual babies because that's where we all start. But it's not where God wants us to stay. So my third point is all about spiritual babies. And I want to talk about spiritual babies. First of all, spiritual babies talk spiritual baby talk. It's the way they talk. Verse 1, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal or fleshly, as to babes in Christ. In other words, Paul says... You're spiritual in the sense that you've been saved. But I could not speak to you as a spiritually mature adult person because you're still a spiritual baby. Therefore, I had to communicate with you in baby talk. Now, it's been a lot of years since we've had any little babies around our house. And and I don't think in the near future there are going to be any little babies in our house. But I remember how exciting it was when our little babies started their baby talk. And it was just great. And I'm really glad the twins are in here because they've been doing a little bit of baby talk for me. All right? And, I, and, and maybe you could hear them. They're doing, they're doing baby talk. And that is so cool. It, it, if you're a parent, it is just awesome when your baby starts talking and you start talking back to them. Not in an adult conversation. <laughs> Work on your diction, baby. No. We do baby talk back to them, don't we? Dada. Because we want them to say dada. Yeah? Mama. You know? We're doing this spiritual baby talk and it's fun. But can you imagine the heartache that you would have if your 18 year old was still talking baby talk? It wouldn't be funny. It would mean something terrible has happened in their development. And yet there are Christians who have been saved a long time and they still talk spiritual baby talk. One thing about babies is they're easily bored, aren't they? It's hard to keep their attention for very long. But as they grow, their attention span gets greater. So you can begin to carry on more complicated conversations with them. And the same thing is true spiritually. At first, you talk spiritual baby talk to brand new baby Christians. But as their spiritual attention gets greater, you can carry on more complicated conversations with them about the things of God, about doctrine, about theology, about how God wants them to live. Now, here's what I realize. I realize that there is, for some people, a tremendous amount of boredom In church, I fully understand that that I must not make boring what God has made exciting. Okay? And God forgive us preachers for doing that. I want to make the truth of God as exciting as it can be for you. But, to be honest with you, the reason many of you are bored with church is for the same reason children are bored sitting at a dinner table listening to adult conversations. You're not interested in what interests mature people. And some of you feel like I've insulted you by saying that. Well, I really haven't meant to insult you, but what I do want to do is challenge you to grow up. Spiritual babies talk spiritual baby talk. Number two, spiritual babies eat spiritual baby food. Verse 2 of chapter 3. Paul said, I fed you with milk 
and not with solid food. For until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able to receive it. Now, babies can only handle a particular kind of diet. You've got to be very careful with what you feed little babies. And when they're brand new little babies, you just give them milk. I mean, that's, that's all they can tolerate. But then as they kind of grow a little bit, you, you start giving them baby food, right? And I just happen to have, because I want to keep things interesting up here. I don't want to get bored, so I brought an object lesson. I just happen to have a little jar of baby food up here. And uh, when I picked this one up, I really wasn't paying attention to what I got. I just picked one up. But then I noticed, and I remembered a few years ago, this is stage three baby food. Stage three. You know what that means? This is for little toddlers, little babies that are about eight months old. This is, this is a food they can, they can handle. And it's almost all liquid. But they're getting excited because they see this baby food right here. And I, wished, I really wish you could see the picture of what is in this little jar because it looks great. There's a chicken leg. There are carrots and green beans and rice and corn. And it says chicken, vegetables, and stars. And all that's in this little can that's like, kind of like liquid. Yummy, yummy, yummy. And if you go out to eat today at lunch and you are seated by some folks that have little babies, you will be watching mama or daddy take the little spoon and open up. (laughs) Feed them this baby food. Because you know what? This is what little babies eat. Again, what a tragedy. If you saw a parent with a 17-year-old and they were feeding that to their teenager. See, baby food is made for immature digestive systems, not for mature digestive systems. Now, let me take that and go back to the situation in the church at Corinth. Paul said, when I first started teaching you, I had to give you milk. And folks, again, there's nothing wrong with that because they were baby Christians. That's what they needed to grow, baby milk. In fact, that's the way that you have to start with Christians, with the milk of the Word. But if they grow as they should, it's not long before they can get on something else and handle heavier things from the Word of God and eventually start digesting the meat of the Word of God. But that was not the case for the Christians in Corinth. Look at verse 2. For until now you are not able to receive it. That is the, the meatier, weightier things of the Word of God. And even now you are still not able. You know, it, it's almost tragic for me to, to read that. I think there's a sad note in Paul's pen here, but I, I think there's also a harsh word. That, guys... Grow up. I mean, it's understandable when you're a baby that I feed you baby stuff. But you've, you've been a Christian now for an extended period of time. And you don't need to be eating the milk of the Word anymore. You need to grow up. And start eating the meat of the Word. Now, just stop for a second and think about the level of your spiritual maturity. Stop for a moment and think about your own spiritual diet and appetite. One good gauge, and all this is is a gauge, 
of this is what do you do with the Word of God during the week? Many of you have a Bible open on your lap. When was the last time that Bible was opened? Don't answer me out loud. But if you have to say, well, preacher, the, honestly, the last time my Bible was open was last Sunday morning when I was in here in church and you were preaching and told us to open our Bible. If that is the case for you, then you are being spoon-fed the Word of God. And you're not growing in your relationship. You need to be feeding yourself daily the Word of God so that you can begin to mature. Now, there's something else about spiritual babies. They exhibit spiritual baby behavior. They talk like babies, they eat like babies, and they act like babies because they're babies. Again, we expect babies to act like babies. If you were to get up right now and go back to one of our We Worship classes where our volunteers are helping out with worship care for our little ones, you'll see this in action in every room. And those little toddlers that are old enough to play with toys can be pretty selfish with those toys, can't they? You just try to take one away from them. One of the first words that they learn is the word mine. They get real selfish with their stuff. And immature Christians, baby Christians, can exhibit that same kind of baby behavior. Look at verses 3 and 4. For you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, you are not carnal and behaving like mere men. For when one says, I am a Paul, and another, I am of, of Apollos, are you not just being carnal or fleshly? Now, go back to the first of the verse. He says, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy. The word envy is really an attitude. It's an attitude of craving what somebody else has. We've all heard that. That person is envious of something else someone has or the way someone else is. They are envious. That's an attitude that you have. And the strife and the division that he lists next are actions that result from that attitude. And this is a tragedy. You know what he's saying here? He, he, he is saying that, you know, this is a shame because you Christians should have grown up. But you haven't. You're still babies and you're acting like babies. You're jealous of one another. You're envious of each other. Maybe of the gifts God has given or the talents that someone else has or what someone else may be doing. And he's talking to Christians here. You're envious. And because of your envy, there has been created strife amongst you. And there is in the church divisions amongst you. Let me tell you, strife and division never comes from God. If you have strife and division in the church, it's not from the Lord. And the Apostle Paul tells us where it's coming from. It is coming from immature Christians who are selfish and envious of other believers. Here's what he's saying here. He is saying that the real measure of spiritual maturity is not how many sermons you listen to or how many Christian books you've read or how many times you go to church during a week. Now understand all of those things can be a part of our spiritual maturity. But spiritual immature people can still do all of those things. No, the real measure of spiritual maturity has to do with the way we treat other people. 
And it all starts within the church the way we treat other Christians. Spiritual maturity is happening when the Spirit of God can take the truths of God's Word and use them like a scalpel to do surgery and to cut away all of the selfish aspects of our own lives where we start treating other people the way Jesus treats other people. That's spiritual maturity. That's a hard word to the church. Because I tell you, I've been doing church all my life. I've been, in, I've been in not only church, I've been in Free Will Baptist churches since the first week I was born. And let me tell you, I've seen it all. You know? I've seen, I've seen, you don't want to know what I've seen in churches. I've seen fist fights in hallways. <laughs> I've seen knockdown drag outs in business meetings. I've seen a lot of so-called Christian people not acting like Christian people. What was the reason? They were spiritually immature. They were selfish and envious. And they allowed strife and division to enter the church because of their own sinful attitudes. They were acting like carnal people instead of mature Christians. And I want to remind you, it's not wrong to be spiritually immature. That's where we all start. What's wrong is to stay spiritually immature. And spiritual maturity has absolutely nothing to do with chronological age. You can be 15 or 50 or 75, but that doesn't necessarily say anything about your level of spiritual maturity. In fact, and I don't say this in a discouraging word, we never really arrive there. We never really get to a point where On this earth, we say, I've made it and I'm spiritually mature. It's something we're always striving for. One day, I will be perfected. But that's when I get into heaven. Until then, I am striving to grow. There's a word for that that we use. And and, and again, you're going to get bored with this if you're spiritually immature. But the word is progressive sanctification. To be sanctified means to be like Jesus. Progressive sanctification means that every day I am doing those things that are necessary for my spiritual growth. And that's what this sermon is all about, guys. As I planned out my preaching for the year, I specifically planned this sermon for today. It is my desire as your pastor to see you grow spiritually in 2013. Wherever it is that you are spiritually right now, My prayer for you is that you grow closer to Jesus. And that does not happen when a bolt of lightning hits you and then all of a sudden you're spiritually mature. It happens when you make a decision that you're going to grow up, that you're going to be like Jesus, and you're going to discipline yourself to do those things that are necessary every day to grow. I thought of this when they were singing up there a while ago. I'm I'm so proud of our our praise band and our praise team. And they're awesome. They really are. They're awesome. Uh, You know, we got a fairly good-sized church, you know, maybe 600 each week that shows up here. But our praise band is is better than we are big, if you can understand. They they could could lead worship in a huge church. They're that good. You know what? They haven't always been that good. 
You know what has made them as good as they are? All the practice they put in. They have a taskmaster who cracks the whip and drives them every week and pushes them to learn new music and to be better than they are. You know, they have. They've, they've, they, have they have tremendous... I'm so proud of them. They, they are so good. But you know what? I know they're going to get better. Because every week they are doing those things that they need to do to become better musicians and better singers. And what I'm saying to you as a believer, the same thing is true for you. If you want to be a mature Christian, you need to do those things every day that are necessary for you to grow. You get your Bible out and you read it every day. And I know that sounds boring. And sometimes it can get pretty boring when you get in those books and all you're reading is genealogies. So you need to break it up and read an Old Testament passage and a New Testament passage every day, okay? But you do it. You discipline yourself. You read it. And you don't just read it and close your Bible and put it on the shelf and never implement it. Because let me tell you, I've been around a whole lot of Christian folks who has done that very thing. They, they read the Bible. They say they read the Bible. But you know what? I can't tell it in their actions. I can't tell it in their attitude. I sure can't tell it in the way they interact at church. And I'm not referring to anyone in this sanctuary. I'm thinking back years ago <laughs> when I pastored this other church, you know. You take what you read every day and you implement it. You do it. It becomes who you are. You get that? It becomes who you are. Every day you're doing little, you're taking little steps, little baby steps, so that sooner or later you look back on your life and say, well, you know what? I guess I have grown up a little bit. Somebody says something to you on a Sunday morning that, that years ago you would have socked them for, or you would have ripped back at them and cut them down. Now you just, well, bless you, brother. You think, well, I have grown up, haven't I? You get it? And that's what I desire for you. This is a great church. I'm not complaining about our church one bit. This is an awesome church. But we could be so much greater for the kingdom of God if we would all just be growing towards Jesus Christ. And so I want that to be your goal this year. I want you to make a decision today to make that commitment, to do those things that are necessary, that you're going to be the person God made you to be. And I think it's important that you come and pray about that at the altar. You know, it, God's given us a mandate. Grow up. We're under that mandate. N nobody can force you to do that. You, you, can't, you can't force a baby into growing, can you? I mean, I can remember when my little kids were little babies in their, in their bassinets and, and I would go in their room and I'd yell at them, Grow up! Grow! No, I didn't do that. That would just scare them and they would cry. It's not the way you make a baby grow, is it? Nobody can make you grow up spiritually. You know what? As a Christian, you've got to want to. And I pray for your want to today, that you would have that desire. So here's the deal. If you're here today and you've never been saved, you're in the natural person state, I encourage you to come and receive Jesus as your Savior and begin that life with Him. 
Secondly, if you are a Christian, would you come today and make that commitment to do those things that are necessary to be more like Jesus in 2013? Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless this time of prayer. I pray, dear Lord, that uh, you would be with each heart and speak to our hearts and our minds. Lord, for the person who needs to come today and be saved, would they have the courage to do that and to start their life with you? Lord, for Christians who are here today, may we come and lay our life on the altar and give you everything and say, Jesus, I want to grow up in 2013. I want to become more like you. Help me to be the person you've called me to be. Dear Lord, I pray that we would respond and come make that prayer at the altar. If there are others who, who just need a touch from you today, maybe they're having problems in their family, in their home, at, jo at their job, or with money, or with health issues, whatever it is, may they understand that you are more than enough. And all we have to do is come and ask for your help, and you're there to help us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. As soon as you stand up, would you come and pray? Come and make that commitment today. Would you right now? Step out and come. church today. I thank you for the clear word that you've given us in 1 Corinthians 2 and 3, the mandate to grow up. And Lord, that's what I pray for in my own life. I pray it for my family and for everyone in this church, that this year we take seriously the mandate to grow spiritually. Lord, in 2013, I want to become the man that you've called me to be. I want to grow in my relationship with you. So, Lord, today I dedicate myself to do those little things every day that will help me grow in my relationship with you. I pray that my friends who are here would pray a similar prayer, that you would give us the grace and the help to live that life and to grow spiritually. We thank you for this church, and we thank you for all the people who make it up. Give us a great year as we live for you. In Jesus' name we pray.